Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. And I think that is all. We're going to now welcome Chris to come and speak. Don't need that. Hopefully I don't need that. Good, 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 good. Ah, it's good to be back. Have you all been all right? Survived while I've been away? Good, I'm glad to hear it. Um, I thought we'd just pray for Viv, um, because that's not a good situation. So let's just pray for her. And uh, also, and I have to say, my mind's gone a complete blank, I'd like to pray for the family of that policeman who lost his life um, just a few days ago. So, Father, you are the God of all comfort and all peace. And, Lord, we bring to you now our sister, Viv. Lord, we pray, ease her pain. Um, Give the doctors wisdom to know how to treat her. And, Lord, I pray that there will be no lasting negative impact on her. Lord, bless her, we pray. And bless Harry, too, and Sue, their daughter. We pray for that family of the policemen. Lord, it brings it home to us how dangerous working for the police can be. We pray for that family, and especially for his wife, so recently married. Lord, what a, what a desperate and tragic situation that is. Lord, words fail us when things like that happen. But Lord, we come and we bring the situation to you, and we ask, Lord, for you and your hand of grace to be there with that family, with that police force, with all the people that are involved. So we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, ah, we're on red letters. Now, when I saw the title of this series, I was a bit concerned because I thought to myself, you know what? There might be some people in the congregation whose finances aren't in the best of order. And you remember those days when those brown envelopes used to come through the door when you hadn't paid a bill and you opened it up and it was all there in bright red letters, overdue payment. In fact, I was nearly, I nearly killed somebody, evidently. I was working in the Abbey National and, um, many, many years ago and uh, we had a glitch in our computer system and what it did was it wasn't posting payments into the mortgage accounts that people were paying. And so we had this little system whereby it sent out arrears letters. And I got this really angry and distraught woman on the phone saying her husband had opened this letter at the top of the stairs telling him that he was in arrears and he'd nearly collapsed and fallen down the stairs, which is good. Um, But we are going to be talking about something that... um, an event that happened in the Bible and it's going to lead into my favourite red letter verse because that's what we're supposed to preach on that's what Simon has given us as the task so you're going to have to bear with me because you won't know my favourite red letter verse until we get near to the end of the sermon but some of you might be able to work a quiz for those of you who are thinking of falling asleep in the sermon just going to wake you up and uh, how many times did Jesus feed people? Twice. 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 Let's have a look. Wow, the answer's two. Woo, 
prizes. Okay, so how many people did he feed on those two occasions? 5,000, yeah. And? And their families and other people, yeah. And? 4,000. Wow. Wow. Wow, we've got some really good Bible scholars here, haven't we? Okay. Now then, this one might be a bit tricky. Where did the feeding of the 5,000 take place? Ooh, now we're getting into the real... Who's the real Bible scholars in the room now? <laughs> Near Bethsaida, somebody says? Okay. Well, I'll give, you, I'll give you the answer, which I think is kind of... That's what it says <laughs> in a remote location. <laughs> I'm only telling you what the scripture says. But the key thing was it was in Israel. So how many baskets of leftovers were gathered at the feeding of the 5,000? 12 from the 5,000, 7 from the 4,000. Oh, we've got a real skill. Answer's 12. Okay. So what's the significance of the 12? 12 disciples or... 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, so who got that? Who got 12 tribes of Israel? Yes, some people there. Well done. Okay, so let's go through. What's the next question? Where did the feeding of the 4,000 take place? Ah, now come on. Come on, there's got to be somebody in the room that knows the answer to this question. (laughs) Cross the river. Might be, okay. No, it wasn't Jerusalem. <laughs> it was this place. The Decapolis, ten cities. But it was a place that was in the country of the Gentiles. Okay? So somebody's already answered this question. How many baskets were gathered? Seven. Seven. Right. So here's the killer question. What is the significance of the seven? We know the 12 leftovers in Israel were the tribes of Israel. What was the seven leftovers for the feeding of the 4,000? Anybody know? Seven minus 12 is five. No, that's not the answer. (coughs) Now, if you are a real Bible scholar and you know your Old Testament and you're a fan of Deuteronomy and this is the answer. The Lord said he would push out of the land the seven tribes that were in the land of Canaan. Oh, what happened there? And the meaning of that is that salvation is open to everyone. Paul says there's no longer Jew, nor Greek, nor Gentile. But we're all one in Christ Jesus. The message Jesus was saying through the feeding of those people is, I've come to feed everybody, whether you're a Jew or whether you're a Gentile. God's salvation is for you. God's grace is for you. God's forgiveness is for you. Now, you didn't know that, did you? That's all tied up. In there, And I didn't know it either. I only found it out by doing some kind of researching. Because sometimes these symbols that we kind of see 
that we kind of read over. We miss the significance of them. So, so we're going to look at the feeding of the 5,000. It's in Matthew 14. If you get bored with me, you can look it up on your tablet, on your phone, or in your Bible, whichever message you've got. And uh, it's there, though, in all the four Gospels. And it's a miracle of feeding 5,000. Actually, it says men plus women and children. So there was an awful lot of people there. And it's in the Gospels, all four Gospels, which I think it must be that it's important. Now, of course, some people who are cynical say, well, everybody had their food, but they're all too polite, they're all very British, and nobody wanted to take their packed lunch out first because they didn't really want to share with anybody else. So it was all kind of waiting for the first person. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's what happened at all. I think... Jesus did one of the most amazing miracles that he did. And this miraculous story has many layers, and I've already kind of peeled back one of the layers, which says, actually, the leftovers are important because they talk about the 12 tribes of Israel. But there are other layers there that seem to be, need to be kind of dug out so that we can kind of get into this story and relate a bit more to it. It's a lesson for the disciples about how the impossible can be seemingly be met through releasing the kingdom of God's power. And from such a little, an amazing thing was accomplished. And we're going to look into that in a little bit of detail and find out how all that happened. So what's the context? Well, the context is the disciples have gone out on mission They had been out without Jesus. They'd gone around Israel and they'd been healing the sick. They'd been casting out out, uh, demons. They had been doing kingdom stuff and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. And they'd come back and actually they were quite tired from all this travelling and all this ministry. And at the same time, an event happens where John the Baptist, who's related to Jesus is killed. And in Matthew 14, we read this. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he left the boat to a remote area to be alone. The crowds here heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns. Jesus saw the huge crowd and stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. I don't know what 5,000 plus people looks like, but it's a lot. I've been to a football stadium where there's been 80,000 people, but they're kind of all spread out a bit around. But 5,000 plus people. You see, the disciples have come back from a ministry tour. They were excited, but exhausted. They needed a break. A little kind of thing for you here. Ministering in the kingdom is exhilarating, but it is also draining and exhausting. And people do need seasons of refreshing because burnout kills ministry. And one of the greatest reasons why people leave ministry of churches is burnout. They give and 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 they give. So they can't give any more. And they need to be refreshed. 
And it's just a little lesson to us all, is that we all need times of refreshing. Now, we've been on sabbatical for a bit, and there's a bit more to come. And uh, we know that we've been called to do that because we spend a lot of time ministering in this church. And uh, there are times when we need a season just to be resting. And in this modern life that we live, not only is ministry in the church, but just out there with everything moving faster, communications happening quicker, and everything just seems to be one thing after another, boy, do we need at times to stop. Just stop and rest. Stop and slow down to be with Jesus. And sometimes the events of life come and hit us and for Jesus the death of John the Baptist he knew it was coming but this tells us that he was truly human because he needed to get away for a bit because actually he felt the pain of loss and we read it in other stories in the New Testament where Jesus weeps, where Jesus is moved he is truly a human being But he's truly God. But because he's human, because he understands emotions, he is able to connect with us at the really basic level of life. When you're going through a really tough time, don't think that you're ever alone because Jesus understands, Jesus knows, Jesus feels every emotion that you have ever felt. But you know, you can try and get away from ministry but the people wouldn't let him. And I find it interesting, although Jesus knows that there's a time when they should be resting and being refreshed, compassion rises up within him and he sees the need and says, you know what? we just got to heal the sick here, guys. we just got to carry on ministering. You see, Jesus was so attractive that people wanted to be with him. They needed to be with him. He was offering something that nobody else was offering. As Peter says, you've got the words to eternal life. You teach with authority and with power. You know what? Today, people, I think, are still attracted to Jesus. Church, not so much. But I think that when the church reflects the love and the compassion of Jesus, then people can be attracted to church. Riverside is involved in a lot of compassion ministries. And I've heard people say, who are not part of this church, it's amazing what you're doing there with things like Grow Baby, The Haven Project, Street Pastors. You've got the food bank on site. Isn't it amazing the kind of things that you're involved in? And we need to be reflecting that love and compassion in everything that we do. But you know what makes us more attractive? (coughs) Church is like a family. Have you got a family? Yeah, I guess you've all got a family, haven't you? And I guess there are some people in your family that are really easy to get on with. Well, maybe one or two. And there's the rest. And we're like a family, aren't we? And we have our ups and downs. 
don't we? We're, uh, who thinks we're perfect here? Apart from God saying we're perfect, who thinks we're perfect? No, we're not, are we? But you know what? Jesus said, if we love one another, if we live our forgiving one another, when we kind of get bruised and bumped by each other, then actually the world will know that you're my disciples because you'll be different from any other family or community out there. And Jesus calls us as his body to be loving one another, forgiving one another, bearing one another's burdens, and being Jesus to our local community. And then people will come. They'll flock here because they'll think, wow, they're amazing. And they'll come in and they will be awful because they won't be like us. But we'll have to love them and forgive them and be kind to them until Christ is formed in them as he is in us. Studies have shown that um, if you want to be healthy, who wants to be healthy? Wow, there's a few people who don't. Okay, (laughs) eating, drinking and smoking or whatever it is. But if you want to be healthy, go and do acts of kindness. Go and just be kind to somebody. Just doesn't need to be a great thing. Just continually practice it until it becomes a lifestyle. I'll tell you what, can you smile? I'll tell you what, do this little, little experiment. Go out into your workplace tomorrow or wherever you are, and instead of being the grumpy Christian that sometimes you are, <laughs> be the smiley person and just see what happens. Just smile. And then people come to you and say, what, what, why are you so happy? And then you might be the start of a wonderful conversation about how amazing Jesus is. Let's move on. Well, ministry's going well, but the day is becoming to an end. The disciples already were pretty worn out and getting even wearier. And you can imagine never-ending prayer lines. Wow. People trying to get close to Jesus. But the disciples could see that there was a problem about to emerge, which is, hang on a minute, these people are going to get hungry. Now, I think Jesus was having a whale of a time because when Jesus is ministering, it's like he's being fed. So he's just going great guns for it. But disciples can see that not everybody's like that. And we need to do something about this. Now, they just come back from a ministry trip, so I think Jesus is now setting them up a little bit of a test because he can see what's going on. This is no surprise to him. And he's thinking to himself, I blink, what are the disciples going to do about this? What are they going to do? And uh, he wants to see how well they are growing in the expression of being people who minister in the power of the kingdom. So they identify a problem. People are getting irritable, Jesus. Things could get unpleasant around here. We hadn't planned for an extended picnic. But we've got a solution. Simple solution, not too difficult, maybe a bit of crowd control. We think we should send them all away. 
Now, I think the disciples, as they approach Jesus with this solution, at the back of their minds, just know this isn't going to go down well. They've been with him for a bit, and it's kind of like Jesus says, you know what, I think I've got a better idea. And they're thinking, oh no. Jesus is going to do that Jesus thing again, isn't he? Now, I think Jesus raises an eyebrow. It's not in the text, but I think he does. And the disciples are going, oh no. Here we go again. What's he going to do now? And then he shocks them. Jesus says, hey, guys, it ain't necessary. Don't send them away. Solution simple. You feed them. You feed them. Now, in this story, I think this is the killer verse. This is the real nub of it. You feed them. You see, Jesus sees the situation completely different to the disciples. They see a vast need that, humanly speaking, they can't meet. But Jesus, he sees an opportunity for the kingdom of God to be released in great power for the glory of God. Now, Jesus is kind of testing them here because they've gone out on their own and they've done Jesus stuff. And it's kind of like, okay, you've got that bit, but actually, I need to stretch your vision. I need to stretch your ambition. I need to stretch your capability. Because he wants them to see what can be done with a little. And I think Jesus is saying, look, you feed them. And this is a preparation, and Amy touched on it a bit last week, because ultimately Jesus is going to say, go into all the world and feed them. There's going to be just 120 of you disciples, but you go into all the world and feed them. And they're going to say, yeah, we know how to do that. We saw Jesus feed 5,000 people. I don't know how big our church is at the moment, because I've not been around so much. But we have got a ministry to the coastlands. That's our mission. So it kind of spreads from Whitstable right the way through to Herne Bay, and maybe a bit beyond that. And I reckon there's probably, what, 100,000 people? And Jesus is saying to us as a church, you go and feed them. Go and feed them. They're hungry. They're spiritually hungry. They need to hear the good news of the kingdom. You go and feed them. Well, as our church, we do help in trying to feed the poor. But how do we feed a community that's in spiritual darkness? And we need to be connecting with our community. We need to be showing the community the love and the compassion of Jesus. And we need to be out there with a sense of mission empowered by Jesus. And there isn't anything too big or too deep or too tall. We can do this. Said the cat in the hat. Doesn't quite rhyme, does it? 
but we only have a few loaves and a few fishes. You see, they knew their resources. Now, I used to look after the finances of the church. I know how much money we've got in the bank, roughly. I know how many people there are in the church, roughly. And we look at the 100,000 people that are out there that need feeding. And you see, is there a mismatch here? We should never, ever make our decisions on the fact that we don't have the resources. Because that's what the disciples were doing. They're saying, this is, it doesn't fit. See, looking at what we don't have will never lead us to the right kingdom answer. We need to be looking to what God wants to do, what will glorify him, and we need to step out in faith. We need to believe that God will provide, because if God says he wants it, he'll pay for it. We're sitting in the building that we moved into some years ago, and when I think of the number of people we had in the church, and I've been told by other church leaders, for the size of church that you were, to have got here is nothing less than miraculous. And it wasn't so much about the leadership or the people involved, although they did a fantastic job, rolled up their sleeves and did an amazing job. It was about God blessing what we had, multiplying it so that we could be in this building. This is an expression of feeding the 5,000, if you want to see a modern expression of it. God did an amazing thing. Now, Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he was testing the disciples. Would any one of them have the faith to step up and say, hey, Jesus, maybe, maybe we could feed everybody with this little bit that we have. And there was a precedent for this, because these guys, these guys, oh, oh, no, don't go there. These guys knew their Old Testament. And back in the days of Elisha, a man turned up with 20 loaves of barley bread. And Elisha says, feed them, feed the people. And the guy says, there's 100 people here. But Elijah repeated, give the people so that they can eat, and everyone will eat. And they started to distribute the bread, and it kept coming and coming and coming, because God had promised to feed everybody. <coughs> so the disciples should have known what to do. And Jesus says, bring them here. Bring them to me. Sit the people down. And then he breaks bread. He blesses it, breaks bread, gives it to the disciples and distributes it. So let's look at the process. He told the people to sit down, took what was given, blessed it, broke it, and then released it. Now, there's a whole sermon series in here, so I'm not going to dwell on this too much. But one of the things he did do was he blessed it. 
Do you know that you carry the kingdom of God with you? Do you know you carry the presence of Jesus with you? So when you're going around your daily lives and you see somebody in need, even if you can't necessarily get to them to pray for them, because that might be a little bit awkward, they haven't asked you and you don't want to impose, all that kind of thing, you can bless them. Let me illustrate that. There was a, somebody in the church that left under a bit of a, a cloud and um, I, I bumped into them in, in Tesco's like you do. And uh, we started to have a bit of a chat. And they were going through a bit of a tough time and we kind of shared that. And so, okay. So it wasn't appropriate for me at that point to pray for them because that's, <laughs> that was a no-go area as far as they were concerned. But I walked away and I thought, you know what? I'm going to pray God's blessing over them. It was something to do with their, their finances. So I said, Lord, bless them. Bless their finances. Bless something. Let something turn up. Let Provide for them in, in an amazing way. Just bless them. And a couple of weeks later, boy, if I didn't bump into that same person again, in Tesco's, would you believe? <clears throat> it's a great place, Anne, for meeting people. Um, and I said, you know, how are things going? Well, they'd been a complete turnaround in their circumstances. Something had turned up, I won't go into the details, but (coughs) they were now in a totally different place to where they'd been. You know, there's power. There is power in just blessing. And I think that we're here to release the blessing of the kingdom. So let me encourage you, if you can see somebody in need, but you can't actually get there to minister to them in the way of maybe praying for them or whatever, just bless them and see what God will do. Now, Jesus took these few loaves and his few bread, but you know what? He'd made a whole universe out of nothing. And I'm thinking, he's thinking, this is easy-peasy stuff. I've got something to work with. (laughs) When I created all those stars and galaxies, I had nothing to work with. But this is good. This is great. And uh, he just breaks the bread. And then this is the brilliant bit. This is the brilliant bit. He gives it to the disciples who then go and share it with everybody else. Now, there were 5,000 plus people there. How much do you think Jesus gave them to carry to feed all these people? It, it would have been wagon loads. But it wasn't. He just put some stuff in their hands. He said, go and feed them. And as they're feeding them, what's happening? It's multiplying in their hands. It's multiplying. It keeps, it doesn't end. They're giving it out. They keep giving. They keep giving. They keep giving. They keep giving. They're involved. They're part of the miracle. They're there with Jesus doing this stuff, giving it out, seeing it as there's a, the hand doesn't empty. It never empties until everybody is fed. Jesus invites us to minister with him and he promises us that we will never minister out of an empty hand or an empty heart or an empty spirit. Because he will always be refreshing and giving us what we need to meet the needs of others.
Do you want to be involved? Do you want to be involved? You see, there's a deeper truth here. You are the five loaves and a few fish. Did you know that? You are what's being offered. You know, when God created us as human beings, he wanted us to rule over all his creation, men and women together, working in harmony, managing the earth. (coughs) We lost that authority when Adam and Eve fell in the Garden of Eden and Satan took that authority, but Jesus came to take it back and he gives it to us again. And we are partners with Christ. And Jesus taught his disciples to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And God says, you know, there's so much stuff I want to fix on this earth because I want it to be more like it is in heaven. And I've got all the resources that you need, all the power, all the resource that you would ever need, all the finance, all the wisdom. You know, this world faces many problems. Do you know who are the people that should be leading the way to deliver the solutions for this world? It's us, the children of God, the people of the kingdom. Because he will give us all wisdom to know what the right solutions are so that we can be part of changing and moulding this world for good. Do you pray that prayer? Lord, let your kingdom come in my life. Let your will be done. Do you want to enter into that partnership with Jesus? And Jesus says, well, give me who you are. Give me who you are. And I will make, I will do stuff that you can't believe. You will look at your limitations and I will say, don't look at your limitations. Don't look at what you can't do. Just believe in what you can do. So, this is my favourite red letter verse. Some of you probably all knew this. See, Jesus believed, I think Jesus believed, that if somebody, one of his disciples had stood up, blessed the bread, broke it, and given it out, the miracle would have happened. The disciples, if you read Matthew 14, and I haven't got time to go into this now, but if you read Matthew 14, what happens after they feed the 5,000 is Jesus goes up into the hills, the crowd gets dispersed, The disciples get into a boat and they start going across the sea. And then Jesus comes to them walking on the water. And good old Peter, and I think he's been mulling over the whole feeding of the 5,000 thing, and he thinks, I think we were meant to do that because Jesus said, you feed them. So Jesus is walking on the water and Peter says, hey, is it you? I'll come, I'll come if you tell me to. And Peter gets out of the boat. You see... He walked on the water because he got it. Because Jesus said, you will do the things that I've done and there'll be greater things because there's so much many more of you going out into the world, bringing the power of the kingdom to people. 
You can release the prisoners. You can give sight to the blind. The lame can walk. The dead can be raised. Demons can be cast out. People can be fed. People can know the good news of the kingdom. There can be more miracles through our compassion and love for Jesus than we've ever yet begun to imagine. And the meaning of this verse haunts me (laughs) because I don't think we scratch the surface of it. I've seen people walk out of church who came in on crutches and walked out without. I've seen people healed. I have seen. But, oh, it's not enough. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. Anyway, can we just dim the lights for a minute, uh, Callum, and make sure the sound's up and running and we'll have a... Okay, boys, listen up. The, uh, the preacher wants to say a few words. Thank you, Coach. Make it good. Yeah. Read the highlight. This day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down. So that all on earth know that there is a God in Israel. And David reached into his pocket, and he pulled out a stone, and he slung it, and it struck the Philistine in the head, and he fell. You know what's going to happen? You're going to win this game tonight. You hear me? Yes, sir. You're going to win this game. You want to know how I know that you're going to win this game? Because it's not about you. Nobody out there knows what's happened with this team. But when you win on this day, they will. When you do what everyone said is impossible, they will. When you strike down this giant, they will. And when they find out how you did it, then all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel on this day. 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 On this day, we can start to look at the giants that confront us as a church. On this day, we can look at the giants that confront us as individuals. On this day, we can look at the wells that perhaps need to be renewed on this day. And on this day, in the name of Jesus, we can know what it is to be set free. On this day, in the name of Jesus, we can pray with expectancy, expecting people to be healed and to be touched, to be set free. The miracle doesn't start until you offer what you have, no matter how little. Jesus didn't reject the bread because it wasn't wholemeal or oven-baked, or even stone-baked. Jesus started with the material he was offered. That's you. Offer yourself this day to Jesus. 
and freely, freely as you've received the good news and the salvation and the forgiveness that you all love and are thankful for. Freely, freely give it away. And as you give it away, more will be added to you. You will not know a lack of resource. You will not know a lack of power. You will not run out because the kingdom of God's resources are never-ending. But what the challenge is for us all, myself included, is to stop rushing through life, missing those God moments where Jesus wants us to stop and do kingdom stuff to those we meet. Everyone needs a miracle. Everyone in our community needs a miracle. They need to meet with Jesus. They need to know that there is good news, that there is life. And he wants to release the power of the Holy Spirit through us this day. And on this day, he wants us to be filled again with the Spirit so that we have the eyes to see what Jesus sees. We have the heart and the compassion to minister like he did. And he wants us to be partners with him. When he said, come follow me, he said, come follow me and be with me, but do what I'm doing. Not just follow me idly along the way of life, but to do the work of the kingdom. And this day, I'd like us to pray and minister to those who have a sense that they need to be filled again. Those who want the wells of their lives to be renewed and refreshed again. Those today who want the giants that they're facing in their lives to be slain today. Or maybe it's in somebody else's life that you know. They've got a giant and you want to see that giant slain. And you want to offer what little you have to Jesus. Will you stand with me? Thanks for listening. If you would like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at WhitRiverside.